Hey, good morning. The, uh, the fun, you, you want to clap? Let's go. Let's clap for that. That's awesome. So real musicians. We have the Jewish guy talking about Christmas. We have bluegrass worship. It's all cultures, all generations this morning. Merry Christmas to you all. Um, are you ready? Those words are appropriate for us in this season, in this place. I had a, a day a couple of weeks ago where I felt like I had conflict in almost every relationship in the circle of my life. I just sat there like, it has to be me because I feel so much angst. I wasn't getting along with anybody. And there's just this point and every once in a while you have one of those disruptions. It's a, it's a fight with one of your kids or a friend or a coworker, your spouse, and you just have to break the ice and you have to be able to say, are we ready? Can we do this? Are we ready for peace? And so today, I want us to focus on this idea of peace as it relates to Jesus Christ and his coming, the incarnation. And in this story, we, we want to think about what does that mean for us today? What did it mean for those reading the words of God 2,000 years ago? And so when we look at and we think about this idea of peace, Peace is kind of a big deal, especially today, just as it was a couple thousand years ago. Beauty pageant contestants are constantly talking about wanting world peace. In 1901, we started something called the Nobel Prize for Peace. Uh, in 2011, there was a professional basketball player named Ron Artest, and he changed his name to Meta World Peace. It didn't last. About a year later, he was playing for a league in China and he changed his name to The Panda's Friend. <laughs> Appropriate. I, I wish I was joking, but I'm not. And then as we read the headlines of what's going on in our world today, we see that North Korea is practicing their rocket launches, right? And so we think, what's going to happen? For whatever moment that we might feel like we might have some relative peace even though we have soldiers deployed all over the globe, I'm not sure we necessarily feel that security. Even in the headlines this week, the embassy from Tel Aviv is now moving into Jerusalem. And the headlines read this week, this will undermine, this will prolong the plan for peace in the Middle East. And so I want to examine, and you have in your bulletin today, an outline which has basically every verse in the Bible on peace. So we're not going to hit all of them, but if you want to really dig deep and study, it's all there. Uh, but I want to just take you through peace in the Old Testament. Uh, the word is shalom. It's probably one, if you don't know a lot of Hebrew words, you know that one. Shalom shows up throughout the Old Testament. It means completeness, soundness, welfare. It shows up more than 200 times. But it's not just the absence of war. Here's just a few. In Job 5, it says, You will know that your tent is secure, that there is shalom in your tent, for you will visit your abode and fear no loss. There's some security here. In 1 Samuel, when, when Jesse sends his son David, Hey, go check on your brothers. Bring these cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the shalom of your brother. As Solomon is bringing together the elements of the temple three times in a year, Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar, which he built to the Lord. So he finished the house. When he brought that together, when there was a completion of the house of God, there was shalom. 
If you have wronged somebody, in Exodus 22, it says if, if what he stole is actually found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. Once you pay double, then you have made shalom with that person that you have wronged. And relationally, again, we have in Proverbs 16, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I want you to think deeply today about the relationships that you have in your life and where is their brokenness? Where is there a lack of completeness? Now, this idea of shalom or peace also shows up in the New Testament, but it's the Greek word irene. It still means peace, harmony, tranquility. It shows up 90 times in the New Testament. And the birth of Jesus Christ, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, irene, among men. The arrival of Jesus Christ here on earth brought peace. We will talk today about what kind of peace that is. In the book of Colossians, for it is the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of heaven to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And then Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. So we live in a world that is searching for, hoping for peace. And today I want to walk through with you this idea of Jesus is the one who came to bring that to us, but maybe not in the way that we thought. Uh, World War I. World War I was called the Great War. Uh, I don't think that we have anyone here who was around back then. I could be wrong. But the year was 1914. And they didn't call it World War I because they thought this was the war to end all wars. They also called it the Great War. They entered into this war thinking, this is it. This is all we have. And there was something that took place. It was December 7th, 1914. Pope Benedict, he said, can't we all just get along? Can we, on Christmas, cease fire? Can we stop? Can we call a truce? Well... For the warring factions, those who were in charge, they said, not sure that we're going to do that. But some of the soldiers along the front lines in lots of different places in the war, as they were bound up in their trenches, you have the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, what they called no man's land, was right in the middle. And something took place, and this is a dramatization, a video clip, uh, of what happened on that Christmas Eve in 
Ein Britter kommt! Ein Britter kommt! Jim? Jim, don't go do it! Halt! Er ist nicht bewaffnet! My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's calm. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön. For just a moment, there was peace. You know that moment for yourselves when you haven't been at peace. And maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's a confession, maybe it's an apology. And the deep breath and that sigh of relief that you feel when you have peace. Well, in 1914, on that Christmas day... Some of those pockets in the war experienced that peace. Unfortunately, that peace was not a lasting peace. Uh, you can see this infographic behind me that basically just shows for another four years, the war, the great war, the war to end all wars, which we can now look back upon history with some 2020 vision and be able to say we've had a lot of wars since that we are not at peace. Millions gave their lives and lost their lives and were permanently disabled because of that. And so the peace that we want to talk about and think through today is the peace that Jesus came to give us. Central passage for us this morning comes from Isaiah 9. This is a prophecy talking about Jesus who was to come. And I want you to hear this. It says, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Did you see that? There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. We're in week two of an Advent series and 
And part of this, if you're not familiar with this tradition, I'm going to light a couple of candles, but this display that, that is up here, we have a few elements. We have a, a green wreath, and if you were up here and you could see from where I can see, uh, you'd see that this wreath is a circle, and it reminds us of God himself, that he is endless and he is eternal. And the green of wreath, it, it gives us this hope and inspiration, uh, renewal and eternal life. And then we have candles, and the candles symbolize as we light them, Jesus, the light of the world who would come. And then we have four outer candles, and they represent four centuries of waiting from Malachi to Matthew. Some would call these the silent years, but God was very much still at work. And last week, uh, Matt Doan shared really well, did a great message on talking about hope. Hold on, we practice this. It's like a torch. It's fantastic. And so last week we had the candle that we lit for hope, and today is peace. We have a central candle that won't get lit until our Christmas services, and that's the Christ candle. And may these and this picture right here be a display, but really that it would signify the longing, the longing for more, that we would long for hope and that we would long for peace. And, and you'll see we have these words up here. Next week we'll be talking about joy and we'll wrap it all up with love on Christmas Eve. I want you to read this and I want you to think about this in maybe a way that you haven't before. As you read through some of the descriptions of Jesus Christ who was to come, the promised Messiah, we have two descriptions. And as you look through this, you might think, wait, are we talking about two messiahs? Um, you look through some of these passages and we have a picture of the suffering messiah. You get this picture of, of Jesus. Micah talks about he would be born in Bethlehem. That this king in Zechariah 9, he comes and he's riding on a donkey. It's not really this great, wonderful picture of this king. But then you also have this victorious picture of this Messiah who arrives in the clouds. Now, Jewish thought, in Jewish theology, they actually say that there are two Messiahs. One is called Mashiach ben Yosef, Messiah, the son of Joseph, and Mashiach ben David, Messiah, the son of David. And there is a phrase that runs throughout Orthodox Jewish communities that say, we want Mashiach now. They actually believe that Mashiach ben Yosef, this picture of the suffering king, will be the forerunner to the one who will be coming, Mashiach ben Devi, who fills the, the, the line of David. And you can read scripture and, and it could be confusing as you look through it. You could look at Zechariah 9 and it gives you this picture of, of a suffering servant, this king that comes in all humility. And then you look at Zechariah 14 and, and it's this victory over our enemies where, where he comes in. Just listen to some of the language. This is Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and he is endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the bow of war will be cut off and he will speak peace. To the nations. And you switch the page and you go just a few chapters later in Zechariah 14. 
It says, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses will be plundered, the women ravished, and half the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which is in front of Jerusalem on the east and on the Mount of Olives, it will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley. So the half of the mountain will move towards the north and the other half toward the south and you will flee by the valley of my mountains for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel, modern day Jordan, Petra. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. You have, even in the same book from the same prophet, Zechariah, we have these two pictures of the Messiah who was to come. And you can see this in the outline. I put lots of verses in there so you can see. But this suffering Messiah, he came to give hope. He suffered and he was rejected and it leads to an atoning death. These are Old Testament passages. And also in the Old Testament, we have this picture of the Messiah who would come to reign. He would have victory over his enemies. He would reign eternally. Even Psalm 2 talks about him being a royal king. And so how do we make sense of this? The Jewish people, even today, there's this idea, and this is, this is a thought that's taken from the Mishnah. It says, if the people of Israel will be righteous, the Messiah will come in the clouds of heaven. If they will not be righteous, he will come as a poor man riding upon a donkey. So that's what they believe. They look at Jesus as a historical figure, a good rabbi, but he is not God. He is not the promised Messiah. Why? We don't have peace on earth today. So what was the peace that he came to bring? And I want to just show this to you in a way that maybe you haven't seen before. And this comes from Luke chapter 4. Jesus is in his hometown. He's in Nazareth. And he gets up, and this is... This is on uh, the Sabbath. He came to Nazareth in verse 16 of Luke 4. It says, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. Now, every Saturday, every Shabbat, they open up the Torah, which is the first five books. And there's also something called the Haftorah, which is the, the prophets and the writings. And so they would stand up. They would come up to the place, the Bema, where they would come up. They would stand up to read. And they would give the scroll back to the attendant. And then the rabbi would sit down to teach. It was called a drosh. It was a commentary on what they had just read. And so this is the scene that's taking place in church, in synagogue that day when Jesus shows up. He stood up to read and it says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. And this is what he read. This is quoted here in Luke 4, but what he's actually reading from is Isaiah chapter 61. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He stops. What happens next, says he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Why? We have a lot of rules in Judaism. 
One says that when you come up to read a passage from the Torah or the Haftorah, that you have to read at least 21 verses. Why? Because they want to. We have a reason for everything. We say two Jews, you get three opinions. So there are certain points where there can be exemptions. And so you could read nine verses, seven verses, but no less than three. And what Jesus read was far short of that. So they're looking, saying, aren't you going to finish? And so Jesus, he closes the book, gave it back, and he sits down. Everybody's fixed. And this is what he says. He began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture has been fulfilled. He reads Isaiah 61 and he starts right here. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now I put this side by side for us. This is what you read if you look at Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2a. And you can see virtually the same thing, but Jesus doesn't read this last part when he's in Nazareth. It says to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Why did Jesus stop short? Because that time has not come. He's coming back. There is a second coming. There is something that you and I are to be longing for. But that was not his purpose when he came on the scene 2,000 years ago. So I encourage you to dig deep and look through some of these passages. But when Jesus came, he came so that we might have peace. But what was the peace that he came to give us? And so this is this idea of the once and future king. When Luke gives the account and he says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The peace that he came to give us was peace with God the Father. The war to end all wars was that Jesus came to bring shalom, wholeness, and completeness to our broken relationship with God. Way back in the beginning of the story in Eden, there was shalom. God looked at all that he had created and he said it was good. And then you get to Genesis chapter three and everything falls apart. Shalom is now broken. And that sets in a plan that we need a savior from the very beginning. Jesus came so that you and I might have this shalom, that we might have this peace. And even at his birth, you can look at passages like Revelation 12, where the red dragon was ready to consume and to devour the child. Because he knew that he came to bring shalom, to bring restoration to our relationship with God the Father. And I believe that in Luke 2, when you have, it says, the vast army or the vast host of angels singing, it wasn't just so that they could sing a song, but that it was also, they were there to defend. This army that stood at the ready, that praised the entrance of peace on earth, because you and I needed peace with God 
Why? Because we have trouble. In Romans 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God the Father through Jesus Christ. A few verses later in Romans 5, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, restored to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus came so that you might have peace with God. That's why the last 2,000 years have been filled with wars. Somebody said, I read this week, that in the existence of America, that we have had only 7 to 9% of our years have had peace. About 91 to 93, depending on who you talk about, we've been in war. Those wars will continue, but the peace that we have with God is what we have. He's coming back again, and that's what we have to look forward to. But he came so that you and I might have peace with God the Father. And so I want to set us up and, and I want us to just think through this. What, what does this have to do with us in our life today? And as we process through in this season of longing and hope in this Advent season, what does this have to do with us? Because I know that some of you don't feel at peace. Uh, you don't feel at peace in some of your relationships. You, you have a tumultuous relationship with your doctor because he keeps saying you have issues, right? There's sickness and there's disease. You have relationship problems and you don't have peace in your family. And this season for you right now is like, oh, we got to be around family all the time. And this is going to be really hard because we have no peace. And I think that we think, well, I'm just going to get peace in my job. I'm just going to get peace in some of these areas and then I can go and I can pursue God. And and then everything will kind of come together. And, and he wants to meet you in the areas of your life where you actually have storms going on right now. I'm okay. I want to just set us up and I want you to just take a moment and would you just, would you close your eyes for a second and would you just prayerfully look at your life and the places in your life and say, where is there war? Where is there chaos? Where do I lack peace? And I want us to just sit in a, a reading and, and something that we can, in this season, that we can call upon God, this God who's an author of peace. And so would you just pray with me? Just pause for a second. God, thank you for the gift of your son. Jesus Christ, God became flesh so that we would no longer be at war with you. And I know that some of us, we sit in here and we have war on every side. And so now in this moment, can we maybe just, God, can we, would you help search our hearts? Would you bring up anything in us that needs to be pulled up to the surface and and dealt with right now? That you want to be speaking to us as a tender father towards his children. And just in this moment right now, Lord God, would you meet us? Amen. My heart, a storm clouds raging deep within. The Prince of Peace came 
bursting through the wind, the violent sky held its breath, and in your light I found rest. Tearing through the night, riding on the storm, staring down the fight, my eyes found yours, shining like the sun. Striding through my fear, the Prince of Peace met me there. You heard my prayer. Hope like the sunlight, piercing through the dark, the Prince of Peace came and broke into my heart. The violent cross, the empty grave, and in your light I found grace. Your love surrounds me when my thoughts wage war. When night screams terror, there your voice will roar. Come death or shadow, God, I know your light will meet me there. When fear comes knocking, there you'll be my guard. When day breeds trouble, there you'll hold my heart. Come storm or battle, God, I know your peace will meet me there again and again and again. Oh, be still, my heart. I know that you are God. Oh, fear no evil. For I know you are here. I hope that you connect with some of those words. I'm not sure where you are at personally, but I know that the offer on the table for each of us this morning is that God wants to enter in. And he wants to give you that peace. Uh, I just want to show you uh, just two verses that I think just give us the heart of God for us in this season. Jesus, as he's getting ready, he approaches Jerusalem. He's about ready to get on that donkey. And Luke 19 gives us this picture. It says, When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. I I don't know if you've just casually read over that a million times like me, but Jesus looked over the city, the city that he came, the city of peace, that he came to bring peace to, and he starts weeping. His heart's desire was that the city of Jerusalem the chosen people of God, that they would know. But they missed it. He says this, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. Jesus is standing there up on the Mount of Olives. He's looking. If only you knew the things that made for peace. It's me. But now they have been hidden from your eyes. 
And then he gives this prophecy of the destruction of the temple that would take place a few decades later. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side and they will level you to the ground and your children with you and they will not leave in you one stone upon the other. Why? Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem because had they been students of the scripture, they would have been able to know and count the day and recognize their Messiah. The one who came to bring them peace, he says, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I'm here. I came to bring you peace. They're saying, no, overthrow Rome. No, no, I came to give you peace with God. And so my heart for us, as we think about his first coming, that we would long, that we would long for his second coming, where he will bring peace here on earth. And there will be no war and there will be no more tears and there'll be no more shame. But for now we have peace in him. And Paul, as he's closing his letter to Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight. But then he says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Look, this is not a message for Christmas about don't make it all about the presents and like the food and all that, right? We've heard that. We know that message. But are you longing for his appearing? And will there be a day where he comes back and he laments again because we missed the day of his visitation again? In this season, may you find that shalom in him. May you find that peace in him. Not in the bonus, not in all of these other areas, but that we would start. Lord Jesus, give me your peace. And all the rest he'll pull together. Let me pray. Father God, work in us and through us. And in this season, Lord, would you give us that peace that we long for? And if we don't, then give us the longing to be longing. Lord, in all of these areas of our lives, in the chaos of this season, in the hurriedness, give us some pause to be able to reflect and to be able to hope and to long for hope. Give us that desire that we would long for peace. And though we might not have control over what evil forces will do here on earth, may we also long for peace here on earth, that you will come back and that you will come for your people and that you will be bringing us together. But Lord, this morning, may we be convinced, may we be resolute, may we know that that peace that we may be looking for that may have felt elusive can only come through your son. So we thank you. We long for that day. Would you speak to our hearts right now as we go before you and we worship you as our king. In Jesus name. Amen.